Here we are, guys, at Snakebite Podcast number nine. And as always, it's brought to you with the help of the guys over at digbmx.com. If you haven't already watched Tony Nyer's Verde Frame promo, head over to the site, watch it. It's crazy. Um, his banger blew my mind. So go watch that. Um, this week's podcast, we sat down with uh, Keith, the Madman Trainer. And, I mean, if you know Keith, you know he's got some wild stories to share, and he definitely let some fly. So sit back, enjoy, and let's get into it. No more talking over there. The, okay. the guys that know will Guess who's following me on Instagram? Uh-huh. No, more, no more talking. We're, we're in the midst. Are you recording this? This, this is for the I've been intro. recording for like two minutes, but you guys Snake keep gathering. Who do you got? Go. Who's following you on Instagram? Boris the Bruiser? No. Duke Best. Du- oh, I got him. Let's Duke. hear it. Let's, let's Duke hear, Best. Let's hear the Hit end. a quote. Who's that kid riding for? <laughs> what factory? What factory is he on? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> It's your job to know. <laughs> I love oh that part. God. That's Tony D, dude. That's, That's Tony, Tony D, man. Dude, I was so, I was like, damn, Duke Best is, like, in my head, like, somehow he's a real person. Yeah. I'm like, Duke, I made it. Duke Best is following me on Instagram. Find out who that is. Because he's brilliant. Yeah. All right, where in Jersey did you grow up in? This is kind of like a ride interview I had a long time ago, the one called White Trash. Yeah. It took me like three takes. You guys just went through. Who were you doing the interview with? John Paul, Brad McDonald, uh, might have been Moeller there. And I was so drunk, I fucked up like four times. They had to redo it. So I smoothed out. I feel like that's where we're rolling tonight. Yeah, and 12 years sober, and I'm still going to fuck up. Man. So you got you got into to just riding freestyle through Freestyle Magazine? Well, yeah, yeah, freestyle I did. But I rode this BMX track called Braddock uh, Park, right? BMX track up in, uh, in North Bergen bunch of my old friends and some of the POWs actually used to ride there. So. Like who, who used to ride there? Uh, I believe Climber went a few times, Brooks Manbeck, uh, a couple of other dudes from the house. Sorry I'm forgetting names at the moment. But Brooks, okay. Brooks was one of the main dudes. I, oh, Mulligan, Keith Mulligan used to go there. I didn't know any of them, <laughs> but, but I know they used to ride that track. Did you ra- did you race a long time? Did you like turn no, expert no, no, or anything? No, I, I'd go there and there was actually a, a berm that had a fence next to it and I used to jump the fence. Because it just looked like it was something you could do and land flat ground, and I did while everyone else raced. Would you do it in a race? Yeah, I would. Because you—that was the only way you could <laughs> ride the track. You could only uh, ride the moto. So riders ready, watch the lights. I'd be in like last place, and then I jumped the berm. And then you get disqualified. It, I probably left or something usually. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, you just started riding. Was there a big scene back then? I mean, was no, that? I grew up with skaters, so. Uh, I was the only BMXer on my crew, so... But we had a lot of guys that were, like, famous for that era of skateboarding, street skating and stuff. So, like, the guys I grew up with that I look around... That live around here now, uh, still skate vert, still do what they do, and those were the guys that were my motivation, so... So you still, you still go out and get sessions with those guys? Uh, not really, because they still skate vert, and I fear vert. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I still hang out with them. Yeah. Did, um... So you rode in Jersey for a while, and I mean, it seems like when you think about Jersey, like I, half of half of all BMX pros have came from Jersey. I mean, it's like a, yeah. the state that's like produced the most like. And I don't know any of them. 
All right. But it is like, it's, it's crazy to think you're like, oh, what pros are from Jersey? And you're like, yeah. Garrett Reynolds, uh, Van, I'm probably going to say something that's not from Jersey, Van Homan, yeah. yep. um, going back to the 80s. Well, Jeff Mayer was, Jeff Mayer and Roger Sullivan were the guys that were, like, yeah. I'd be looking up Chris to. Chris Doyle's cousin, Roger Sullivan. Yeah, Roger still shreds. And, yeah. And so those are the guys I looked up to. And then by the time I left New Jersey, uh, like, 88, it was the first trip to California, and I met uh, Kim Boyle and Magoo, Magoo and everyone at GT. Did you, Ted, you already graduated high school, and you're just like, I'm going to go visit? I or? got kicked out of school. So okay. <laughs> I got kicked out of school and then um, went on a vacation, and after the vacation, my mom had decided she was going to move back, move to California. So I followed a little bit after that, and uh, pretty much shortly thereafter, I met the S&M guys and stuff like that. So that would have been 89. Right. You told me once when you moved, first moved to Cali, and you were probably following the magazines and everything at the yep. time, that you rode, was it to Wizard? Like you pedaled like a freakishly amount of miles on your BMX bike to it go to Wizard? GT. Oh, it was GT. GT. Yeah, I was visiting Westminster, which now it really wouldn't be that far, but it was probably like a 15-mile bike ride or something on a, I forget what bike I had, it probably was a Harrow Sport. So <clears throat> I found the address in the magazine, was staying at my uncle's house, pedaled down to the in the on the address that was in the magazine and it turns out that where warehouse where GT was uh that day Magoo Boyle uh Dave Clymer John Paul Rogers and a bunch of dudes were there riding Stonehenge and I just saw Stonehenge in in the magazines yeah and uh the gate was locked so I, I peeked my head over and like John Paul tells the story really funny but I, I peeked my head over and I was like, "Hey guys, can I ride?" And they, they <laughs> just they immediately started making fun of me. And John, I believe it was John Paul, was the one. Yeah, if you get a helmet, and I guess they didn't think I'd go get a helmet, so I pedaled 15 miles back, got a, my dyno helmet, and then pedaled back to catch the session. So I did all that in a couple hours. Got back, caught the session. They're like, "You really got a helmet?" So they let me in. Yeah. And then I schooled them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just rode and had a good time. And then uh, for the rest of that week there, uh, I rode with all of them. I went to the HB house where Moeller lived, but he was out of town or something. And that was where uh, John Paul lived at the time. Ron Bonner was in town from, from at that time. He, he was starting UGP. So got to meet all them. Then went back to New Jersey, bought a GT Aggressor because Kim Boyle had the prototype. And I thought yeah. it was the coolest thing in the world. And uh, about six, seven months later, I moved came back out officially and moved the whole time you were you the whole time that you're back in jersey were you just thinking about moving back to california yeah no there was some sorry but there was some puerto rican girl i liked so (laughs) (laughs) so i delayed it a little bit yeah (laughs) you know i was 18 what are you gonna do yeah (laughs) and then did your had your mom was your mom living there yeah they already came back yeah or well they moved to california it was like i grew up in so basically i grew up in new jersey till i was 18 and then my mom and them moved out here, and I followed them shortly after. I stayed with my dad for a little while. So when then you moved back, where were you based at in Cali? <clears throat> Honey Beach. Honey Beach? Yep, Honey Beach. Uh, that's when I had to pedal everywhere, because I didn't have a car. So I ended up getting to meet John pa- uh, John Pova and Sean McKinney. So I Pova have his dreads then? No, he, he did have his Soundgarden hair, though. <laughs> uh, so, and he had this big car, and we'd go cruise, so... I rode with him a lot. I rode with a bunch of other local guys, Alan Valick and Frank Hefner and stuff. And then I was pretty... All I wanted to do was ride. So, yeah. like, I'd sometimes pedal up to this guy, Mike Tokomoto's house, who had, like... Toki. Yeah, Toki. 
<clears throat> I'd ride up to his house up in Redondo from Huntington Beach, which that was a pretty gnarly ride, <clears throat> just to go ride his ramp. Here's a question, though. Was Mike still riding a Visage at that time? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he still had a mullet. <laughs> and, he, and he didn't toke at that time, so I never understood why he was called Toki. <laughs> but you go and ride Toki's ramp? Yeah, I'd go up there and then... Uh, but he, he had that, like, it was just like an eight or seven and a half foot ramp or something? It was an eight foot. and uh, Actually, both sides were different. I think one side was bigger than the other. So it, you, had a few, you had a few clips on it in some yeah, videos. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we had some amazing session, sessions on that ramp. And yeah. then a few years later is when RLs was built, the, the ramp... Over the, over the ramp, pool? Yeah, that was... Sorry, I'm stuttering so much. The ramp that was built over the pool was like two miles from Toki's house. So we'd go ride Toki's, then go ride that, and then ride whatever else. So you kind of just moved to California, like... It was like a super, like, influential time. You had, like, you know, the POW house, yep. you know... You had, Which I never found... Uh, <laughs> I didn't find the POW house until about a year after living here. <laughs> Really? Yeah, because I, I didn't cross paths with any of those guys right away, and I already had met Dave, who, by the way, was killing it when I, that week I was here. Um, so Climber? Shit, yeah, at uh, Santa Ana Civic Center, he did some crazy shit that still, to me, to this day, would have been crazy if you see it live, you know? Yeah. Because he'd be going double-A pro speed at stuff. But, uh, yeah, it took a little while before I, I actually got to meet them, or get to hang out with them and stuff, and it was actually the Palm Springs too hip. Mm-hmm. Where I caught back up with Dave, and then shortly after that is where I met Moeller and all. After that he stuff. put his foot through the put his foot through the no, uh, that, that was La Jolla. Oh, La Jolla. I was already on S and M by that time. So, but but you moved, and it was like kind of like, you know, that was like really the second or you know. Well, BMX was pretty dead. It was dead, but it was like all, kind of the whole new school generation yeah. that was coming up then. It's now the mid school. Yeah, like that guys that you'd call like mid school. Yes. You know, so. Um, did you start riding with the S&M dudes on your aggressor? Were you riding an aggressor? I was riding the aggressor. That broke. I had a sport. That broke. And then I bought a PK from A1 Cycles. Who yeah. Just recently went out of business. Bummer. But um, And then I actually got a couple of warranty PKs because of Todd Anderson, if I remember correctly. I know. You so. spoke highly of Todd Anderson. I get, actually look back now at some of those guys and realize who were some of the biggest influences, and that guy's one of them. What did you sweat about Todd Anderson? Just... A simple one footer and just one footers, uh, look backs, his street stuff. Where, like, because I got a picture in BMX, he's Plus. kind of an early street rider, yeah. He'd do that foot plant, fakie, you know, tabletop against the wall thing. And I learned that from him. And I, a couple of years later, got a full page in plus doing it, yeah. And it's fully a what's the right word? I poached it from him, yeah, <laughs> dude. I he's crazy. That alley up he did over that channel, it's a yeah. little concrete. He, he was so good, so oh, dial. He always nose dived in and stuff. He's locked his coaster brake up yeah. on the yeah. ramp. And uh, yeah, and him and D, uh, Dino DeLuca just it was something about their using a free coast that made their tricks. Just and the coaster brake, yeah, I meant, yeah, sorry, coaster brake. <clears throat> so, you were you, how'd you transition from you know breaking a bunch of PK rippers to? It was after the Palm Spring Comp. Uh, we had these ramps called the H ramps. Mm-hmm. Actually, I got to ride with uh, Jess Darrenforth and Craig Campbell a whole bunch there. Sorry wow. for the name drops. No, if, that's what we're here for. And drop the names. Yeah, it's the history. I got to experience some good history with. Some that was kind of like right before Campbell and Darrenforth <laughs> kind of phased out a little, yeah, isn't it? Jess went into rollerblading, and uh, Craig went back home. I like how you said Jess went into rollerblading. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good dude. I don't know, so I don't know. But yeah, fruit boots. But uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so you you, you kind of rode with those guys, but yeah, the contest. Yep. Uh, the A tramps was our spot, so that kind of like 
brought everybody to want to come ride that with us and stuff. Yeah. So then that led into me getting hooked up with uh, S&M stuff because of Climber. And then uh, that's kind of where my S&M history started. And pre-booze days and stuff like that. So were you even drinking or anything then? Or you just oh, no, I was straight edge till... Fuck. Uh, just before I turned 21. So how was that when you first got on with Moeller and those dudes? I mean, they... They, oh, they used to make fun of me. <laughs> yeah, because they were him and you know Climber, and I feel like John Paul, like yeah, were yeah, kind of yeah. wild at that time. I, I have a, a quote that sticks in my head vividly. Uh, at the POW house, I was sitting on the floor, and everybody was drinking, and they used to drink uh, beer, beer. It was a box that said beer. <laughs> <laughs> Just some ge- super, the some most super generic cheap, you could get generic ever. Beer that you, I mean, like you can't even find. Like it from now. Repo Man. Yeah, basically, and that was a huge influence for those dudes, so, like, um, but, uh, anyways, uh, I remember sitting down on the floor, and we just finished riding all day, and then those dudes were watching Beverly Hills 90210, because that was, like, the Wednesday thing, and they would drink and watch that show and laugh and S&M fuck around. dudes watching 90210? I'm throwing them under the bus, dude. Nice. <laughs> Weekly, every Wednesday, <laughs> 8, 9 o'clock, whatever it was, so I was sitting down, and then Moeller turns to me, he goes... With his weird bent finger. <laughs> what are you thinking about right now, Keith? What are you thinking about? You're thinking about Ryan. What tricks are you doing? And he's just, you know, <laughs> I'm the trick fruit guy, so fruity guy, so. But uh, <clears throat> I was I don't remember what I said to him, but that's one thing that sticks in my head because yeah, I was definitely afraid to speak back then too. Yeah. Which I'm um, seem to be right now as well. <laughs> oh, you know, good. <laughs> but yeah, that was a vivid one of that one, and then probably. A year later is when I started drinking. How how were those early days in S and M? I mean, the the first whole S and M team, you were kind of like that, just a little bit of that second gen on that the early S and M team. I mean, yeah. you think John Paul and Climber and Crazy Red. Well, my history was probably the the peak of Dave Climber's history. Yeah. So like, uh, we went to travel a bunch for like uh, the King of Dirts. Uh, uh, early BS contests and stuff like that. So, would you go to races with them as well? Yeah, remember we'd go down Grands Oklahoma for the stuff. Grands for yeah. that stuff, and we'd then ride there. the King of Dirts, and the, that usually came after Scrap. So we'd drive down from Scrap, and that was always an adventure. I mean, one year I remember coming from Paul's house. I believe it was was that the year the brakes were out on my car. Yeah, yeah. And I, I had a Volkswagen Rabbit beat up like '79 Rabbit, and Big Island, Dave Clymer, and myself were. Uh, needed to get back to California from Oklahoma and that's a 22 hour drive the car had no brakes so we drove all the way back with no brakes just downshifting and uh, pulling the e-brake as best as it would work <laughs> that's all the way back all the way back from and then I still drove it for like whenever I got the money to get the brakes fixed <laughs> so. oh my gosh <laughs> So, so just those early did you go and travel with them to do like the race clinics and stuff when they did no, the early no, S and M tours? That was the way early that stuff was when earlier? they were on the bus and all that and that was before my days. So when you got on, was that kinda when they were in the middle of filming uh for Feel My Legs I'm a Racer? That just kinda happened. I mean, any of those videos really just happened. Steve Emmy was always around filming stuff. Yeah. And was he was it the same time he was filming for the ultimate weekend? <laughs> oh shit. Damn, talk about throwing them on the bus. <laughs> whoa, 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 what's Ultimate Weekend? You've never seen that? No. Don't, don't see it. Please, no. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it was a video Steve Emmy did, uh, the White Bear, and uh, it, 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 he tried to do a good thing. And like a bike video? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I, I actually, oh, fuck, 
I'll see it. And it's, that movie database, BMX movie database yeah. thing, whatever, they have it up on there. But it was supposed to be the ultimate BMX weekend starting from Friday to Sunday. And, like, you're going out everywhere and sessioning with the most epic people. Like, there's a part in there with Blythe riding a nude bowl. Whoa, how have I not seen this yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, some street riding. And actually, the first handrails are in there that uh, Pova and I did. Not the first ever. Yeah. For whatever. I know people but want credit early. for those fucking things. But yeah, no, there was some video clips of us doing, uh, I believe John's in there doing an ice pick and I do a double peg one or something. And that would have been like 89, early 90s. Th- this video sounds awesome to me. What? It's just funny because there's a funny soundtrack. It's is, like an hour is there like, long. Is there and, scripted stuff? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like Steve starts the video coming out of bed or something. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's Saturday, it's Friday, Saturday. It's you're supposed to be coming out of work. Yeah. And then going into your ultimate weekend. <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna check that out when I get home. Yeah. John PC's in it, Bob Bob Cole's in it. Um Got a bunch of guys. Yeah. All the guys. Chicago dudes. Gary Lorenz in there killing old uh Primo Desiderio's ramp. Uh, Dude, I'm so watching this video. Oh, it's, it, I, I guess it's worth it. It's just it's, you'll get a laugh. There's some good tricks though. For, but it was a couple years later that he was doing filming for It, it all kind of fell into place, yeah, cuz I think Ultimate Weekend took a bit before it finally was done. Like 2 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it started like '89 or something, and uh, John Pova's in it a bunch, and Sean McKinney and stuff like that. Wow! So yeah. then he started filming "Feel My Leg Muscles." I'm a racer, which is the joke from Dave Clymer, and then he did the. Is that? So you, yeah, I don't even know that. Well, so actually, what's the? Is that the first one? There was another one out. There was another S and M video before. Feel my leg muscles. Forty four something. something. Yeah, forty four okay, something. So that's the second one. And that one, you actually have like, you know. In the early 90s, late 80s, there weren't, like, full parts, part. but you do have a yeah, part in it, yeah. you know, where... Which, all of that was just filmed. Yeah. It was never, hey, do this, hey, do that. It just was someone had the camera. We watched the part last night. <laughs> we watched it. You know, wall ride turndowns. That was a World, good part. World Industry Skate Park. You seem like you used to ride the World Skate Park. A lot, one. until I drove the scissor lift off the loading dock. And that <laughs> ruined everything. How'd you, why'd you, what happened with that? <laughs> We might not want to put that up. <laughs> no, you got to tell, tell that story. Uh, well, why? <laughs> well, what's up with the scissors? Yeah, I used to ride World a lot, and uh, Jeff Tremaine was the reason we get hooked up to go And Dr- Jeff Tremaine has a BMX background. Yeah, he so worked for Freestyle Magazine, then he went to Big Brother and worked for World Industries, and then obviously he's Jackass and all the other stuff. So he was always really cool, let us ride there, and um, um, Gons used to ride there, and... Rodney Mullen was always uh, there too, as well. Like liking BMX, he was always kind of like, "Hey, that was pretty cool. You guys, are, I like what you're doing there." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was a good scene, and actually, one time I think, yeah, in that video you're talking about, I, I hit the ceiling. And yeah, you're doing alley oop two seventy. Yeah, and I for some reason I don't know what made me thought I could do that, and I hit the, the light and. The light followed me down, and I I knew it was gonna cr- I'm crashing down, so I, I I exaggerated my crash so that maybe everyone would feel sorry for me. <laughs> so then I fell down or whatever. I sat on the deck, and I'm like, "Am I getting kicked out? I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And Tremaine was like, "No worries, dude. That was fucking rad." Yeah. <laughs> so, but they let us ride for a while until I guess probably the the scissor lift incident. So, <clears throat> well, what happened with the scissor lift? Uh, um. So we went to a, a video premiere for Big Brother. It was Big Brother Chocolate Skateboards thing. Yeah. It was at a warehouse or whatever. And um, whoever listens to this, I don't have money for anything. So I love you. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> 
we're, it was a wild party because I remember the very first thing I saw. I was really fucking drunk, but uh, was Wee Man, and I'd only seen him like through Big Brother or whatever. And I was like, I'm midget. So I ran over to him and I grabbed him and I was like spinning him and or, well, at least trying to hold him over my head or something. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yeah, this is great. And I remember him laughing and shit and. That was it, man. They were laughing and thinking we were funny. And then I remember one part, I was wrestling on the roof with uh, Simon Woodstock because he had like a boxing gloves or whatever on. Yeah, he always had goofy stuff yeah, going on. I was up there wrestling with him and then the video started and we watched the video and everybody's dancing and fucking around because they had it pretty dialed in with like a real nightclub vibe. Yeah. And uh, so at the end of the night, they turned the lights on and it was this platform scissor lift, which was like probably like 10 by 10 maybe I, I don't know that might even be bigger than what what i'm thinking but uh i walked over to it and again sorry for the name drops but these are significant people that were part of these stories uh i walk over to it and miron jay miron's behind me get up in it eh and uh <laughs> fucking mike griffin's there and he's like fucking get in it yo so we both we're all fucking climbing up in it and we get into the platform and then it wasn't just us because like some skaters and shit got in there with us too so like there was a lot of people in there and uh Marvin Lottery which I didn't How know was, him yet. he had to be tiny <laughs> he was just one of the teenage kids at the time he was standing right next to me so I don't know I guess I was the only one that could figure out how to turn it on so I turned it on the controller was like a fucking Atari controller so we started fucking moving it around and then I was like oh I think we can lift it and I lifted it and I had it to the ceiling which was Full warehouse height, so like twenty feet yeah, or something. We were about twenty feet up, and so I was like zigzagging it and aiming it towards the door, pretending like the bay door, you know, the loading dock door, pretending like I was going to go at it and jump out, and like I thought was being funny. Everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" Woo, uh, yelling and getting mirror on, go for it, eh? So we're like fucking going down the the aisle, and everyone's yelling, "Fucking woo, party!" So we get to the the door and it's like the door is fully raised up and like I had it so high that I could touch the door and um, uh, <laughs> everyone's yelling yeah, yeah get out let's do it let's do it whatever and I was like really seriously fuck it all right and I, I I nudged the the handle so the front wheels dipped off the, the the loading dock which was a typical whatever four or five foot loading dock. And the wheel went off. So as the wheel went off, everyone started panicking. And they're like, oh, fuck, he really did. So people started jumping out. <laughs> so oh, when my the, God. So when people were jumping out, it was shifting the weight. And the weight of the, the, the lift started moving forward. <laughs> so I grabbed the, the bay door, thinking, oh, fuck, it'll come out from under me. So I held on to the bay door, and Marvin grabbed the fucking door with me. So it came out. It shot out from under us, and people still stayed in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So it went. <laughs> so, with the weight of me and Marvin on the door, we followed suit. The door closed behind us. So, we held the door, and <laughs> that hit the ground, and the door. I don't know how Marvin got out of the way, but the door shut on me. So, I was like half in, half out. <laughs> but, and again, I, I wasn't hurt. So, Marvin gets the door off, I, I think. I don't remember. And then I jumped down, and I saw, I won't say his name, but one of the main people in charge. I was like, guilty. So I started walking towards him, and I was like, hey! Uh, and he ran past me, and I went, oh, fuck it. So I ran. So I ran, and I ran to the car, and I 
we were there with some chick, and I went in her car, and I was like, let me borrow a shirt. And I, Because, you know, when you go to nightclubs back then, you thought changing your shirt was going to get you back in the club. They're not going to recognize you? Yeah, yeah. So I changed my shirt and went back. So, yeah, I apparently thought that was going to work. So I get back, and um, uh, Griffin and some of the other dudes are like, Jay, we're still in it. Miron was still in it. So we go over, and Miron's on the ground. Oh, trainer, eh? I'm fucked, eh? I'm never going to ride again, eh? And he's all fucked up, and some fucking skater guys are kind of messed up. And then <laughs> we're all like, Jay, we got to go. We got to go. They don't know it was us. Let's go. And we fucking get him. We go back to the car, and so... I'm consoling him the whole way home, and he's puking out the window, and I think X Games was coming up or something. He's like, Bleh! I'm never going to ride again, eh? Bleh! I'm done, eh? Oof. So for a good two hours, we're driving back to Orange County for fucking Jay puking on the on the white car. So next day, the white car was all red and all fucking <laughs> beat by Jay's puke. But um, they didn't know it was the, B- the BMXers. Apparently... One of our company owners and mutual friends told them who it was, and they found out. And they did a little write-up in Big Brother or whatever and said, yeah, it was a great premiere until some BMXers came and drove a scissor lift off the loading dock and fucking assholes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Never, never rode World Industries again. <laughs> you, talk to, you ever talked to Tremaine again after that? I saw Tremaine almost 20 years later at a party in Oklahoma. And I was afraid. I was terrified. And he, he comes walking over laughing at me. <laughs> and he just gave me a hug. Cause I, I mean, obviously, they've made enough money to compensate for whatever I fucked up. But oh, man. still, it was a fucking douche move. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> I'm amazed you never heard that. I've never heard that ever. Um <laughs> Oh, I hope that made some sense. No, it totally made... Yeah. That was badass. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know Miran or Larry... Eh? <laughs> I mean, J- yeah, Jay's definitely wild back in the day. Yeah, so were most BMXers, man. Just a lot of them were able Whoa. to not get caught. I was perfect. <laughs> yeah, until I meet you for the first time, sober as a fucking... How did you meet Chad? He came to the Warped Tour, and I'm, again, probably tanked out of my mind, and he asked to ride my bike. I didn't bring my bike. This is a good one. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to let anybody ride, and I was like, ah, fuck it, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and he rode my bike in, like, what, second air? You tried a 540? I was so shred-boned. I was, like, I was like, there's hot babes around. It was like it was the first Warped Tour ever, so the ramp was, what, eight or nine? It was ten. It was, it was, ten. It was the one. Oh, was it ten? Ten? Yeah. It's 95. Yeah, it seemed a little older to me, but I was like, I just remember, I was like, whoa, I got to go on the other side of the fence, and I was there with, like, a girl, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show her how cool I am, <laughs> and I was talking to trainer, and I remember there was, like, band people around, and I was like, he's like, oh, take a run, and I was like, oh, yeah, and I th- think you had a menstrual cycle, was it yeah. the men- so I'm, like, pumping, and, uh, I'm just like, I'm a 540, I pulled a few 540s, and I tried it, like, coping, and I looped out, and I hit my tailbone so hard, the top of my skull went numb, and I, I think I laid there for a while. You did, because I got yelled at. What'd you let the guy ride the bike for? And blah, blah. I got ja- I think I think you even helped me off the flat bottom. I was jacked. I just remember that day, I did that, and then when I was sitting there all messed up, the Burnside dudes like jumped the fence, and were trying to skate the ramp, and I remember they got kicked out. <laughs> And then we walked down to Burnside, and I showed you the park. Yeah, we went to Burnside, and then I went and got Dude, continued what? to get drunk with the Sublime guys. <laughs> How did you get hooked up with the Warp Tours, anyway? Funny story on that one, and it was... I'm going to get a little... 
and to make up for that guy that made that comment about me being drunk at the Warped Tour, it was a fucked up time, and still no excuse, but my mind was in a fucked up place. My mom, it wasn't even a year of my mom passing, and two, about a month and a half before going on the Warped Tour, my sister was stabbed 14 times. Wow. By her then husband. So I was kind of in a self-destructive, pity me bullshit. So that's kind of the excuse I used to keep drinking the entire time I was on the Warp Tour. Still, looking back, like I totally ruined a great opportunity being a self-destructive little prick. So anyone that went there, like the guy that made that comment, there is reasoning behind that destructive behavior, but I also feel bad being that douchebag that you came to watch ride and I was drunk being a fucking idiot. Yeah. And on the bonus side of that, though, I was on the bus with the guys from Sublime. So that also adds to the drunk, <laughs> drunkenness. So there was some fun going on in between. But, yeah, my mind was just in a bad place for that. And that gig came about at a nightclub. Hmm. <laughs> I, walk, uh, I was at uh, some disco club or whatever in Huntington Beach. And uh, Angie Walton, the old rollerblader that did uh, Daily Bread magazine, bumped into me and we did demos together and stuff and she was like hey you want to get on this gig it's a bunch of bands and i'm like ah yeah sure whatever fuck vert uh I, no problem <laughs> so i got hooked up with that and uh pova was the ramp builder on that and was pova in portland when i was there yeah 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 he was on the whole tour i believe hmm. did y'all ride the ramp every stop for whatever i could Whatever was capable of riding. I, I did ride okay sometimes and, you know, get like 10-foot airs and stuff. Probably hucked a 540 once or twice, but I never, ever put pads on. <laughs> so like, I don't even remember you wearing a helmet that no, day. No, I didn't wear nothing. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. I didn't wear a helmet or anything. I would just come out, ride. Here's a funny kind of story. There was a skater on a tour, and may he rest in peace. It was Jaya Bondarov. That dude shredded, and he skated the ramp, and he was kind of a street skater, but got hooked up with that gig like five foot airs or something but never wore pads so i thought well i, I can do that too <laughs> so so i rode every day with no pads and there was even a part where like joe rich and all those dudes came and rode in some jersey demos or whatever and like they were shredding with like chest pr- protectors on and shit <laughs> joe's joe's a gnarly vert rider yeah he's super good he stole the fucking show <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that was the standard days when they all still rode front brakes and full pieces and stuff but, uh, yeah, I just kind of, I didn't take it seriously, and uh, they never invited me back, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had Birdwell after that, so that must have oh. been even crazier. Well, and Dave Tom was on that, and I've heard, it's pretty bad when Dave Tom is, sounds like he's the sense of reason on the trip. <laughs> like, Dave's like, well, yeah, we were in this situation, and I was the voice of reason to get us out of it. And Dave's in, just loose as all can be, yeah. you know? My voice of reason was the Sublime guys who were who got kicked off the tour, who got arrested, <laughs> but they were always the guys that were helping keep me in line at, at times. I remember when I was there, I was always bummed because every show I'd go to, some big show, L7 would play, and I'd be like, ugh, L7. <laughs> and then every time I'd see L7, somebody would hit the singer with a shoe. <laughs> like, it, I've seen them three times, not even trying to see him, and every time somebody would hit the lead singer with a shoe. And she'd like freak out, and I'm like, I'm like, why does this happen every time? Um, they were on that tour too. It always felt like kind of uh, in like your early S and M, even most of your S and M days, you it always felt like you spent half your time in England. Like you had so much coverage from England. No, that was it, it, I wasn't in England. That was um, 
Brad McDonald shooting photos for for Invert magazine, and uh, it, I, I have a lot of magazine coverage in those days because I was the dude that always rode. I was the yeah. only bum. I didn't have a job, so like Pova had a full time job, Sean McKinney had a job, and then like a lot of the other guys had jobs. I didn't have a job, and they. I guess San Diego was too far to drive. <laughs> so I just would get a lot of coverage. And um, a lot of that invert stuff was shot by Brad McDonald over here in Huntington Beach. And mm-hmm. a good portion of it was uh, Huntington Beach High School. So. But I still remember some video footage of you over there. Like, Oh, I did go, and which still today was probably one of my favorite trips ever. <laughs> Where'd you end up going? What was up with the trip? That was for Backyard Jam, the second The second Backyard back- Jam. And those were... Yep. Insanely were, epic. Oh, there was a few thousand people there, and no BMX event in, in the United States is even compared to that at that time. So yeah. they jumping the chasm and stuff? There? That was the first year of the, the big one. And uh, Was it the one Mo- Moeller was sessioning, or was Moeller, it the Dave Clymer trying to flip the one? That, no, Dave came the year after us. Okay, so it was the one where Moeller... No-handed. He no-handed no. it, and then he got tangled up or something and uh, took a nasty slam. I think he thought he uh, ruptured his spleen. So Were a lot of people hitting it? Oh, I hit it, and uh, here's the funny reason why I did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was sitting, again, more names, sitting in the van. We did our, de- or rode the, the, the trick portion of the contest, and the comp was fun. We had a good time, and that was the, I was there two weeks, so this was in the beginning of the trip. So, um, I was sitting in the van drinking beer with Ian Morris, and everyone was cheering for Moeller and cheering for whoever was trying the, the clear the gap, Moeller being the only one that was doing it first. Uh, Ian was like, fucking out. You hear that? I want him to cheer for me like that. And he fucking jumped out, and little Ginger Ninja went flying towards Was him. that when he was on GT, or is he on he S&M? He had a GT, and had a full-face helmet on or whatever, and uh, just went balls out. Didn't Never really rode jumps. He just fucking said, fuck it. I'm trying. How, how big was that jump at the time? I don't want to exaggerate, so I'd, but I don't know, 30 feet or something. But it was a bad... Uh, run up for it so like Moeller being a racer was probably the best one being able to get towards it and if I remember like I I cleared the gap a case and I think I knee slid down uh maybe three other people cleared it so yeah it's pretty crazy for back then. and it was just surrounded by like hundreds and, and or, the crowd around it was like yeah hundreds and hundreds of people so it was pretty pretty funny pretty crazy <laughs> and you and on those trips it seems like you made a lot you wrote a lot of dudes that you're still friends with to this day oh my th- uh, well, first and foremost, I had the honor of being around Jerry Galley, who, oh my gosh. to me, is probably the most underrated rider ever and unknown rider ever. Yeah. I think he's by far the best rider I ever came across. So, yeah, I got to know him. Um, we drank some Cripple Dick together. So, that was a beer called Cripple Dick. All right. <laughs> was it like a malt liquor? What kind of beer? It was like a malt liquor. <clears throat> Sick. It was like really, really strong ale. <laughs> And that was still the time where Stu Dawkins and those dudes were still. That's kind of was that time where him and Ian were really pushing handrails. Yes, that was when they were pushing the rails. Um, Stu had an afro like fucking eight feet wide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then uh, that hence the seventies name. <clears throat> Stu was doing rails and um, building his scene, and that again that was the second backyard jam, and I believe the whatever one bunch that was after that was even more massive and, and you were like in some of the early backyard videos too yeah that to me actually that's my favorite part i ever had that was um was this uh, the se- on location uh, no the uh, so- behold the wonders the bo- that never bo- seen yeah that's i was like yeah. dang this name's really long i'm trying to remember yeah. it and it was a bad religion song that i forever couldn't find <laughs> but i finally have it thanks to fucking 
iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Evan over here, I know, has a question for you. What do you want to ask him, Evan? Compared to the progression of street riding, where did the progression of jumping, going high, riding big ramps... Meaning that big gap. Big dirt jumps, big, bigger jumping items. Street big. was progressing in its own way. Yeah. Probably in a street way. wasn't as big yet then, and then was... You know, we're still coming out of the late 80s. With, so it's like 92, 93, right? Yeah, that was 92, I think. Yeah, 92. Because it was the second one, so whatever year that one. The first year was um, McCoy and Fuzzy. And then the next year was Moeller and myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that right there. Basically right. what I'm getting at is like, I guess in the dudes were roasting ramps, you know, like they kind of had a ramp and a box jump. Yeah. That's what you guys were riding. And you guys were going and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Shad posts crazy photos on Snake Right. Tape. But where did these big gaps start? Coming? Well, you guys, you guys had the big ramps, and then like you know, anybody who modern day looks at like the old skate parks, you see like a crazy pool that's yeah. super deep and a full pipe, and you're like, okay, you yeah. guys are at the, you guys are at the limit. You're at a very high level on that, like you know, jumps. How did they jumps go? took a long time before they got good, right? Yeah, like, you just know how to build them, right? Didn't they? No one knew how to build them. I mean, I would I would say real good jumps weren't being made till probably the early 2000s. And uh, minus Posh and and the guys out east that were doing great stuff hidden in the woods. Um, Sheep Hills was always kind of up and down and never really massive. And then we had that Dover jump, the Dover gap that was inside the, the cliffside. I, I camped at Dover. Yeah, Dover. <laughs> right Dover. I camped at Dover and. The the cliff jump wasn't running, but we got to see how big it was. And yeah, it, it wasn't that big of a gap, and then it, uh, but also, it's like probably because it didn't work the roll in. And it stuff. was hard to get in. Like it was hard to drop that roll in. And again, a good racer would get in there better than a freestyler like me or whatever. So Mulder and all those guys rode it really well, and uh, Todd Lyons and stuff. But the gap, I mean, it was still crazy, especially yeah. for them. And, and when you were riding Dover, those jumps weren't that big. I think the biggest gap was maybe fifteen feet or something. So you were coming from that to that gap, which would have been like 35 feet or something. Yeah. and But you're on the side of a cliff looking down at the ocean. <laughs> no, so. it was literally on the side of the cliff. <laughs> yeah. And I drive past it when I'm going up PCH going, there was a fucking jump there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I looked at it and I was like, if you went over five more feet, you'd tumble down a yeah, cliff yeah. into the ocean. And that was just a weird concept from uh, Hippie J, this kid that created Cheap Hills. And that kid put in the work for Sheep Hills first, and then he started working on Dover. And one day we all just went to ride Dover, and he was digging on the side of the, the cliff, and we're all like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you on today? Yeah. Because he would dig high and stuff. And, yeah, and next thing you know, a couple weeks later, he had this massive gap on the side of the mountain, or the cliffs. Sorry, mountain. It was big. Yeah. It was, it was big and but, scary. Yeah, to answer your question, that was like maybe the next after the the big gaps in, in England, they always progressed it every year, and then the, I, I think the fat BMX jams would, would make pretty big gaps and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't think anything was really getting dialed and until, like, even the X Games started to bring in some better-looking jumps and stuff like that, and better lips and everything. But Did you ever ride Mission Trail? I know you rode Mission Trails in San Diego. Actually, the, the Mission Trails was pretty good. The lips were kind of sculpted considering most lips weren't very good. Did you hit the death jump? Did you ever hit the death jump? I did. Jump? I never made it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Volker is like the only dude that can, could consistently like yeah. ride the death jump. And it wasn't big. It was not big at but all. It, it was just super high. It was something weird it did to you. And like I was there for that two hip where 
fuzzy 360s it and does a crazy red ride and fly yeah, into the yeah. the crowd and stuff and uh that, it was insane and what's crazy because that death jump the other jumps they were barely six foot gaps they were pretty short yeah but uh they were just perfect for style tricks and like i, I have a bunch of clips riding there i think One it, of those is videos. it 44 something so, yeah, yeah 44 cool. something because there's the pow po- no it's the uh Holy Land Pro's part when Ian and them come Ian and, 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 and you guys, Will Smith, I think. Yeah, and you guys are riding riding there a bunch. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, but everybody said that even those little jumps were kind of weird because they were almost like vert lips. Yeah, they were. They were that, To be honest, that was probably the beginning of guys actually sculpting lips and making making it look good. Like, yeah. They, they looked like quarter pipes. So, like today's standard, yeah. everything looks like a quarter pipe. Trails. Yeah. So, uh, so the death jump was different than... No, it was a pretty... I don't remember if it was a... It didn't look like the other lips, but... It always looked like a big step up... Yeah. Like a step-down tabletop to me. Yeah. It just shot you up really high. It shot you up, but it... And it did... It, it Sometimes it shot people up. Sometimes it shot them too far. And so, like, like I said, I didn't make it. So. Like, yeah, during that two-hip contest, it literally looked like the only dudes... Which is... It's weird Volker wasn't in that contest. He probably was hurt. Um, But it almost seemed like Moeller and... Uh, Hoffman were the only ones like really getting over it, yeah, doing yeah. stuff, and then it just seemed like McCoy was just shit crazy that day, just hucking himself <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to just <laughs> well, to they, no they end. didn't know how to do flips yet, and Matt was breaking them in at that point. And, yeah. McCoy tried one, well, he grizz aired like straight up, and I that's, I tried to flip like that once at this flyout jump in Ocean View, and I just was like a eight foot grizz aired on my back. <laughs> yeah, that that contest definitely seemed nuts. Um, it seemed like right after that early '90s part, like you know, where you had stuff in '44 something. Uh, how did you end up running into Dave Perrick and doing? You know, you guys did uh, dirty deeds, dirty deeds, and then S and M BMX Inferno. Yeah, uh, I hate that video. You hate that part. I hate it because I got hurt and then. That's like one of my favorite parts of you. But you had messed up your shoulder by then. No, I was I had my shoulders already been messed up. Uh, it was the first time I hurt my knee. Uh, I, I tore where it was like the MCL or something like that. But yeah, yeah. That, that was my first real big mind fuck for injuries. Right, so you, how did you run into Perrick and end up filming for? He moved for... out here. He moved out here. Him and his wife Linda at the time, and they lived in Long Beach. And he just clicked with all of us. We knew him for the comps and yeah. you know homeless days and stuff like that. And uh, we just all rode together. Yeah. Was that the first time you like film? Like you're like, I'm gonna f- kind of film for a video. No, not really. Dave was pretty good about. I never was good at that. I was never good at, at uh, uh, filming specifically going out and filming for something. Dave would just kind of like wing it, um, and just let you know let me ride and he'd film it kind of a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely probably times where I redid something for him, but. Yeah, he wasn't. He was pretty easy to work. I mean, that that I mean at that time because he did. See, he learned more after. It that. seems like with all your parts, like that one, it's like kind of the epitome. Like, oh, know, it was my peak. Yeah, like all the stuff's good. You're right. I think you're that's one. You're riding Toki's ramp a yeah. bunch. You're riding RL RL stuff, Tokies, which boys. it's kind of like one of the first times you saw people riding really tight transitions. Like RL kind of had a messed up ramp where. You were doing really, like, you know what you'd consider, like, a punk wall, yeah. that one side wall. The vert, yeah. The yeah, where you're wall. doing ice picks and toothpicks. No footers and out of them. And I, I kind of feel like you kind of were coming into your own on your style at that mm-hmm. time. You were riding mini ramps a little more, I always felt more slashy than, you know, you'd 
maybe towards a Kurt, Kurt Schmidt or yeah, yeah. the Midwest dudes. You know, you're doing like, like a little skater influence. Yeah, you do like fast no foots out instead of stalling it out. You're hitting like steeper trannies. Well, I rode with PC a bit too back then, and I'd have to say PC was an influence, man, because that and still to this day that guy's one of my favorite riders. Cool. So he definitely had a, an influence on. You rode? Did you ride Dace, uh, Chris Day back then? It seemed like he had. I that rode guy. with Chris at RLs quite a bit, and he know, seemed like he had a slashy style too. Honestly, when I got to ride with him, I forgot how important of an influence he was on me because I was yeah. already kind of coming into my own, and you know probably arrogant and forgot like how important that he was to what I was into. But yeah, I think my style was quite a bit like his. And I, you, Chris Day was doing like, you know, with the bash guard, he was doing like lip slide to one eighties yep. and stuff. He was doing, was he doing disaster to him? But yeah, he was reverting him back. Even in. on like big, like on eight foot on ramps. Big spines. He was doing them in that, at that life's the beach spine ramp and stuff. And then he, you know, he's probably the first to ever really try a handrail. And no he tried sprocket grinds down handrails, what, 89? Yeah, well, no, no. Oh, man. I, I remember there was a spike photo of him trying one down. It would have been 89. I wanted to say earlier, that's why. Earlier. Yeah. And then I remember there was footage of him peg stalling fences yeah, in yeah. The, the late from, 80s. From ditches and peg stalling the fences. Yeah. Um, no, he was, he's a pioneer that definitely doesn't get any credit. Yeah. Oh, do you remember that Life's a Beat chat of him doing the sweeper on the spine? Yeah. We're still trying to mimic that Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he flew into him. He'd fly into him, and then like his foot would dangle off like a knack-knack, and he'd get him back in. Remember, on this, that spine was like seven, six... On the Life's a Beat tramp? Yeah. Coping to coping? That's pretty crazy for back then. So, still talking about that part, your ender in that part's, you know, for everybody that like was, you know, at that age where they're watching, like... Dirty deeds. You do. Oh, uh, you, the, you, the mic. <laughs> you do the the ramp to ramp jump. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Can you take Col- us through? Colton wants to know how much money it was. Yeah. <laughs> Can you take us through that that day? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave was filming that day, and like I had that ramp really dialed, so I just was pretty confident on anything I did. There. Had you jumped the ramp before at all? No, never. And, and uh, that was just kind of like this little sub box thing or whatever we would ride, and uh, uh, this dude. What was his name? Uh, oh, Big Mike. Big Mike. He he was like the ultimate fan dude. He'd hype everyone up and stand there and cheer everyone on. And he was always fun to be around and stuff. And he was like, I'll bet you some money you can't jump from that ramp to the other side. And it was the quote was that's being filmed was said after he already told me to do it. So he they filmed him saying that quote. I went up on the deck to do it, and I totally thought I was going to crash. Like, yeah. I had no belief that I was going to make it. So I remember doing it, and, you know, I'm pumping out of it to try to clear that gap. So I pumped out of it, got all sideways like I knew what I was doing, landed, boom. I was like, oh, shit. And Foster and Luan and everyone's cheering, and I was like, wow, I can't believe I made it. So I turned around, went back up on onto the deck, and then I, was, I literally thought, and I used to have kind of the mentality of if I didn't get hurt when I was riding, that meant I wasn't trying. So <laughs> okay. I, I lived that way for a long time, and I... So I made that, went on the deck, and I was like, all right, I'm going to try a 360. What the fuck? And I used to have the McCoy philosophy. If you can straight jump something, you can 360 it. Yeah. So I've always lived by that. And I that I used to do some big stair gaps. I wish I could do it now because I've, I've done some pretty significant ones that were never fucking filmed. So, yeah, if anything was straight jumped, it was going to get threed. And I went for the three and pulled that and... Yeah, I ended up winning, I think, $8. So <laughs> and I got uh, eight 32-ounce uh, St. Ives beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Beer money. I just remember we'd, we'd watch that and we'd just be like, that's the craziest shit. Just three in that thing. That's my favorite. It's good. Hands down, favorite. I say, when I t- would text Keith, like when I first met him, just randomly, like, oh, hey, you know. And I was like, Keith, the Madman yeah. Trainer. Every time. <laughs> well, well, that name stuck. And then. Is that where the name came from? It came from that, that day. And then, you know, a couple years later, as I became more of a drunk, I. The net that was like my drunk name. Was yeah, the, the madman was out last night, <laughs> and that dude used to come out a lot. So. <laughs> so after that video, did you guys just start filming for SNM BMX Inferno at, right after Dirty Deeds? No, no, I think that was like a year later, and like I already was, I had gotten hurt and just kind of was on a, uh, I wouldn't say a hiatus, but uh, it was because that would have been before Warp Tour and stuff, and yeah. But Dirty Deeds came out while I was on the Sprocket Jockey Tour. Yeah, Dirty Deeds came out in 94? Yeah, 94. And that was when Menstrual was starting to get done. Started. No, Dirty Deeds was 94 and BMX Inferno. Inferno was 5. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I remember we'd watch it and like Style Cats came out at the same time. And it was like, to me it was like East Coast versus West yeah, Coast, yeah. you know? Like, well, I mean, Inferno had some pretty amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. Boy. The, the boy and Brian. And that, and, let, can we, do you want to talk about the boy? I mean, that's about the time you started riding with Mike Ockabach? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, to kind of let people know where the joke of the name of the boy came from, uh, it was Moeller and myself. We knew him from the race because he used to race and stuff and um, at Cole Canyon and Orange or whatever. So Moeller knew him and, and uh, knew he had a ramp, heard he had a ramp. So yeah. we got his address or somehow, whatever, and a bunch of the POWs and Chris and I went up there. And uh, we, I went to the door with Chris, knocked on the door to ask if we could ride the ramp. So right as he knocked on the door, he couldn't remember his name. So his mom came to the door, and he just went, Is the boy home? And <laughs> that was it. it. It just stuck from then on, and he kind of came became my little protege. And how, well, how old was he when he first started riding you, with you guys? Like 14 or something? Yeah, 13 yeah, or 14. Yeah, 13, 14, and then um, she used to... Uh, pay for rental cars and flights so that we i would take them to comps yeah because he was definitely i mean other than like maybe mira and you know, maybe a few guys in the 80s you know like maybe evan krakow he was like for the early 90s maybe like that first kind of shot tri- you know where there's those really young proteges yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're no, like definitely was. you're like oh this good dude's gonna yeah. do it and i feel like maybe it was mira before him yeah. evan maybe scotty freeman you know those well, dudes rooftop oh, on rooftop yeah and rooftop and him had a really were they, they solid were like, rivalry at that time? Were, but they too. were kind of were they like really good friends at the time too? No, not at all. They were rooftop was very competitive and um, so was the boy. But the boy was a little more low key. Rooftop is rooftop. And, yeah. Um, but now they're like the best of friends, and that's how I ever hear anything about the boys. Rooftop still gets to hang out with them. And, and stuff yeah. Like that. So he had that. He had what? Is a six to seven foot mini in his backyard? I think it started out as a six foot, and then it ended up being a seven foot with an eight foot extension. And I rode it a couple times. That was amazing. Right? It was. Re- it had a good transition on it, but that thing's in at, uh, BMX Inferno a lot. There's a in lot of clips. Deeds. It's in Dirty Deeds as well. Is it in Dirty Deeds? Yeah. Uh, well, my, on my parts in the beginning. Yeah, like I just remember there's a lot of foot footage of Fids. You. Fids Kane killed it. Um, who else was over during that time? Fitz definitely killed it, and a bunch of people. Yeah, well, let's. T- I mean, I think a lot. You know, a lot of people kind of maybe even forget about how good Mike Ockabach was. All right, he was a competitor, like with himself. He used to ride by himself. He'd go come home from school, do his crazy algebra homework and whatever, because he's a brilliant kid. 
and then would go ride the ramp and practice. That was really the first time I saw. He came out practice. and rode that ramp. We went over there with Brian Martin. Yeah. He, I think, was doing homework. Yeah. He came out and rode the ramp for like ten minutes. Yeah. Literally destroyed it. Yeah. Like twenty foot long alley bike grinds. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, have fun. Went back in the house, uh-huh. and then I remember seeing him ride at a Marino Valley contest on that seven foot spine. Yeah. And he, he definitely compared to. It was like. He had your style, like definitely you could see the influence from you with like toothpick to no foots in, you know, some ice pick variations, but then it was like. He had his own thing. It was, yeah, it was like turning into the, but it was so, he was so smooth yeah. and he was like one of the first dudes that was really, you know, he invented what, bar spin to bar spin? Yeah, I don't or know like one of the first it, dudes. he had a lot of that style. Like I said, he really, you see this now with riders, they're, you know, they practice, like I'm not a practice rider, and most of the people I ever really rode with didn't practice. He used to come home from school and go in the back, and he'll work on a tail whip. You know, start it out as a fly out, and then try to do it as a low air, and then take it up to go a foot out, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that would be his weekly goal. And in a week, he had the best tail whips you ever saw in your life, because he worked at it. And, like, that, w- that was his ethic. And that's how, kind of, what why he's so successful in life, because he, like, does a lot of... Uh, animation for Pixar or something like that. Yeah, he. I mean, he his, He was only pro for, what, two years, three years? And yeah. did he kind of pull out at 17, 18? I think so, yeah. I think he ended up snowboarding or something, was pro at that, and then... Um, he turned pro at the last BS contest right before ESPN took over. Yep, yep. He uh, rode in the first X Games, too. Yep, yep. the dirt comp. Yeah, I mean... No, that was the second one, I think, right? Because I rode... The first one he rode in the dirt, yeah, the dirt he wrote, contest. In I was the at the first two. I think he... Really ate shit on a double bar spin. Oh, yep, yeah. well, I remember. Yeah, yeah, he taught me how to do bar spins. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, he would have. But yeah, it. I mean, at that time, like, I mean, it really felt like you guys were two pieces. I honestly thought him and Rooftop were like best. You know, it's magazines. You're like, oh, him and Rooftop are best friends. You know? Oh, they were friends. They were definitely friends. Yeah, there was definitely a rivalry because they were both the new young guys yeah, coming out. And the boy would have seemed like someone that just had it, and yeah. Rooftop worked really hard for it. You know, so, and. Still touch on that video with your part. You you said you're not you weren't happy with your part in that video. Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because I got hurt and stuff. And then, I still thought that part was fun. It was. Well, the, that song, the the band that's playing the kids. Yeah, let's talk about the kids from Whitney High. That was a, a, a handicapped punk rock band. And I was at a bar one night and I fucking stop, please. <laughs> the fucking Amish are here. <laughs> I can't Dude, we're just sitting here we're just literally just sitting here with these nice hats all right on. stop let us go I, i'm about to kick all I, three I, of you out of the room i wanted to keep speaking and i couldn't i was like oh shit i'm just gonna sit back you guys just need to relax dude just go with it. It's a podcast. It's kind of the man, to be. Dude, you just keep talking. I don't mind the Amish. Let them, let them live. All right. I'm fucking telling drunk stories. Dude, and we're drinking to coffee. All right, all right. But, we're drinking. So the kids from Whitney High are playing at a bar, and I hear these this punk band, and I'm like, wow, they fucking suck. So I go running out to the stage, and I see these bunch of handicapped kids singing and a punk rock band behind them playing the music, and I'm like... Oh wow! Like I fully was gonna yell at them. So like, you, you thought it was, you thought it was just a sucky band? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just a sucky band, and then it turns out it was a punk rock band, a handicap punk rock band. Yeah. So yeah, and that that fucking stuck. So I didn't know that. I was just be... yeah, I just felt that part was like so fun. Yeah, you had, yeah, some, it, you had some fun pool clips in yeah, it, and it, it fit 
because I'm an idiot. I'm not a fucking Slayer burly dude, and that parrot was showing. I'm a fucking retard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you wrote Slayer in Dirty Deeds. Yeah. yeah. So, um, kind of after that time, did you get you got you got hurt around that that time? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what'd you end up hurting? Uh, that was my right knee, and I guess that was at that time the MCL or something on it. So it wasn't so much the injury as it was that was the first time I really started to get a mind fuck. I think it was before BMX Inferno was starting to get filmed. I hurt my knee for the first time, and that was like my MCL or whatever. And uh, that, it wasn't the injury; it was just more of the mind fuck. And then that's where I really started to learn that like I can fuck with my own head really, really well, and that's pretty much what made my part like crap was because I couldn't focus I couldn't you know I wasn't into it and but what I also did learn is the new generation was coming in and yeah. that was the guys that were ready to film that wanted to film that were hungry for that type of riding I just kind of always rode let the camera film and you know whatever happened happened and uh, I mean unfortunately there's a lot of things that I have done that had there's no f- video footage there's no photography no f- pictures of it or anything like that because of that mentality so yeah. fortunately now you have guys go out to film a clip they go out to shoot a photo and stuff like that so i just didn't have that mindset back then and uh but plus you know rooftop was coming up strong the boy was coming up strong and just how, how old were you about that time do you 22 23 24 something like that yeah, yeah, yeah i'd say 23 24 and wh- were you still going to, like, BS contests and stuff then? Yeah, yeah. I had invites for the X Games back then. And yeah. I, I went to... I had invites for the first and second one. I didn't go to the first one. Went to the second one. Got on the deck. This is kind of an infamous story. Like, I, I got on the deck. I I couldn't handle the cameras. I think that Par- Parnell guy or someone was like... I never really experienced TV stuff before. And, like, they... You know, they're supposed to know stuff about you, and they give they give them bios, and then they come over to you to talk to you like they've been your best friend for ninety years or some shit. And uh, I was I, that would turn me off because like I really cherished my real friends and stuff, yeah. and like don't act like you know me, kind of a thing. And so that kind of was a bit of a reality check, kind of culture shock, I guess, for me for dealing with television. I didn't know how to work with that. And then uh, I was on a deck, and then, again, I started to realize that I am a huge mindfuck, which, once something gets in my head and I can't focus, everything becomes a distract- distraction, and I was on a deck, I, and I, all I wanted to do was figure out my lines and figure out the ramps, and, you know, I, that was always my, my mentality of contest riding, was I'd feel out the ramps, figure them out, and then that's it. I would just not really ride anymore until the actual contest, and... I think I kind of learned that from Miron or something. And then uh, uh, I was trying to do that there, and I just couldn't get it going. Because usually I'd go into the contest and then just go balls out there and you know probably try something that I'd crash on or whatever. But at that one, I just couldn't get into the swing of things, and I got had a fucking pussy temper tantrum, and I just left. So I left. I went back to the campus or wherever it was they put us up in, and I started getting drunk. And by that evening... I used to hang out with, I won't name drop those guys, but everybody knows who the superstars were back then. I used to hang out with them quite a bit, but I definitely wasn't a rider as good as those guys, but I thought they were friends. And it was from that point where I realized, okay, these guys are fierce competitors. They, This is their livelihood. That's where they're going to go with this. I, on the other hand, was from S&M, and I liked to party, and I just want to have fun. And I thought I was coming to contests to hang out with my buddies and have a good time. And get sixth place but 
the guys that I would party with normally are now here to win. And yeah. That's where, for me, the transition changed. And, you know, I got drunk that night and fucking told a bunch of them that, you know, you're sellouts, you're fucking, dude, you're not my friends, and made some enemies and stuff. And, but now, quite a long time later, a few of them have said, like, they understand my point of view. They just, we just were in different areas of life and where yeah. I wanted to go. So, But ultimately, I look back at it and go, Man, I'm a pussy. <laughs> I just could I threw away a fucking great opportunity and just couldn't focus on it because I was a fucking pussy. So, yeah. And more power to the dudes that went really far with it. So I never could live up to the hype. That was that was always my another problem. <clears throat> was that just more pressure? You just put just weird yeah, pressure like I said, on yourself. I just talked myself out of everything, and then like I said earlier, with the one beginning issues like on the warp tour with my mom my mom was my first excuse to be a fuck up and then the other things that happened in life i just kept using those as more reasons to be more of a fuck up so again just being a douchebag pussy using excuses oh, to get God. drunker and, and you know yeah you understand what i'm saying yeah i just it would all self-destruction is just a pity party yeah and that's what I've learned. I was just in a big pity party for a long time and got got myself out of that. But that was definitely the beginning of some of those things was just realizing like, oh I'm not a I'm not those guys, I'm not a competitor, I'm not as good as them either, so where do I go from here kind of scenarios. Yeah. I in the mid nineties though it, it did seem like you know, you you're comparing yourself to some of the superstar dudes, but I feel like you, you know Media and maybe just other writers kind of almost lumped you in. You oh, were yeah, on the, I definitely got You were on the in. Sprocket Jockey Tour, yeah. which seemed like, you know, that was like the creme de la creme. You know, yeah. it was like the OG dudes like Hoffman and McCoy and stuff, but then there was like you and I think Taj even wrote in some of them. Taj came after, yeah. Um, the year I did it was um, Hoffman, Miron, uh, McCoy, myself, and Jerry Galley. Oh, Jerry, I didn't even know Jerry Gallagher. Thorne was, uh, Thorn was the first. Uh, this yeah. mu- The year I did it, Thorne wasn't there. He was on something else. Uh, actually, I think Thorne was... No, no, no. But no, yeah, I did do that Houston that was card Swope. thing. That was Swope. That was Swope and... and McCoy uh, and you. Yep. That's right, that's and, right. And, uh, yeah, Thorne wasn't on that Sorry. One. Dorn always did the Dallas, that's right, Dallas Fair, and uh, Mira did those as well. But that summer, y'all were doing shows on the East Coast. You yep. and Jerry Galley and yep. Swope. Uh, no, uh, Swope drove the rig back, but the, the demos were Hoffman, Miron, McCoy, and Galley, and myself. That's rad. Yeah, and then Galley did a lot for uh, any days that someone would get hurt or something, so he filled in that. That's quite a lineup for us. Oh, no, show. it's insane. Those guys, to me, were the, the elites. But from my side looking in, I felt like you were. Yeah, you, you were right. You were right there with the, I, and you may not see that, but from my side, I'm like, you know, Keith, I mean, to me, it's like the time you were like. The number one dude on S and M, and S and M, you know, you know. Now we're all around. We know how companies work. But at that time, you're like, oh, it's S and M. It's such a big company. Keith and Climber, they're the dudes, you, you know. And you're on these the trips with them, and you know, I was like, you were to me just at the same level as them, you know. And I do feel like you still have the same influence on a lot of people at that you, time. But uh, it seemed like you had a lot of stuff going on then. Is that kind of that's right around the time when you guys started maybe talking about or doing menstrual cycles. Oh, it was exactly that time. Can you fill us in on what's what yeah. happened with that? So that would have been '94. That uh, tour started right after the Kansas City BS Comp. Yeah, and that's when Jerry Galley came over for the first time. 
and that's how I ended up getting hooked up on the tour. He just came in with everybody and went on the tour, and we went all over the East Coast on that. Uh, uh, that was when menstrual cycles were, was already in motion to get going. We already was that supposed to be a separate company? Yeah, that was going to be its own separate thing from S and M, and it started out as the Frame Fork and Stem deal with potential of being my own little company. And, yeah, you know, Chris always said it would be like uh, maybe like my, my bread and butter when I don't want to ride anymore. And I was always stuck in my head that thirty was the cutoff with BMX. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have gotten that any further wrong, <laughs> but I just insisted thirty was the number, and I guess that was our generation that we thought, you know, we weren't going to be able to ride in our thirties because that was supposed to be so fucking old. <laughs> because no one had really hit that number yet no, either. Not at all. Now look, guys are hitting fifty, but um, yeah. So I was kind of like the backup plan, and Chris was Chris did a lot of work to you know make that happen, and um, John Pova helped me design that frame. And, and uh, did you take inspiration from like a VDC? Yeah, VDC was. It, was, it came directly from the VDC. It was the same thing, and um, no one ever had ever done that. And by that point, VDC was what fifteen years prior to. Yeah, the, I didn't even know what VDC was at the time. <laughs> yeah, so and that was just kind of our Pova's idea of being a strong head tube because head tubes were ripping off back then, and then bikes were getting overbuilt back then. So I was I always wanted to ride a Challenger, and Chris wouldn't let me ride one because he knew it would break. And uh, I just wanted to try and make a light but strong frame because at that time, initially the heaviest fuck was going to be my my thing, and that thing just sucked. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of like a take on the standard lengthy or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so with the menstrual cycle, we tried to make it light, and we had the the dropouts on that bike, which on that frame people still talk shit about how it should be upside down, mounted upside down. Yeah, they look like upside down dropouts. Yeah, and I agree, but those were the dropouts from the heaviest fuck. They were just leftovers. Yeah. So Moeller, being Moeller, used every penny and didn't want to waste something and used it on that bike. But yeah, we kind of had an idea for a smaller dropout. The wishbone back end was meant, we thought would be stronger, and at that time it was going to be a pierced top tube uh, wishbone, so like it would come down in the back like the Bennett frames did. Yeah. But at that time, the, the builder said that it wasn't possible, so, <laughs> which uh, clearly it became possible. But it still looked good, and uh, uh, but the weight on it was still you know what a six pound frame or something, which still wasn't as bad as the eight or nine pound. Oh yeah, yeah. At the time, so and then the name came just as a joke, clearly menstrual cycle, and we kept. Moeller kept it as a joke of, uh, you're bleeding at least once, one full week of the month, and blah, because you know, I always crashed and shit. Yeah. So that was the joke with that. And then the stickers on it were um, meant to be uh, me driving. It, they're actually stickers from this comic book called Trailer Trash. And uh, the uh, sticker was supposed to be me driving some beat-up car and Big Island stand behind me because I left him behind and he was holding a beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so that, it was just it was it was definitely during a time when S and M was only the only ones doing something funny. Yeah, and again, it was. I mean, S and M definitely felt like the fun company at yeah, that time. Yeah, and then like again, you know, the whole Slayer hardcore shaved head thing that everybody got off some arrog- crazy arrogant dude. I actually thought things were funny. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I had no problem being made fun of. So that's kind of where what that came from. So, and then I just I didn't put enough effort into it. And, how many how many batches of those frames did you guys do? Do you know? Man, we were talking about it recently, and it, it has to be somewhere around two hundred. So I, not very many. Yeah, and I, I got paid a couple of times. I think it was like a couple of batches of like fifty at a time or something. Yeah, 
and they had them on display at like one of the interbikes and stuff so it was legitimately going trying to be something but i just i was really hard to get a hold of i was traveling quite a bit and basically mola was just like you know what fuck this let me focus on something that's yeah someone's gonna put effort into so I, I definitely did you when you thought about it, as like being your own company were you at that was there ever a point where you were thinking about putting somebody on the team oh yeah fuck uh, man Josh Heino was a, was a name that I was oh wow on. Josh Heino Chris Holman uh, with the boy McKinney because I did want to do a flatland one hmm. and then uh, and Pova sorry yeah Pova oh that would have been awesome that would have right. been an awesome team yeah because Josh I um, I'd heard about a bunch from the East Coast, and then uh, right around the time when it finally was launched, I did some demos with him in L.A., and it was his first time being out here. And stuff, yeah, so. that, w- that would have been an awesome team at the time. <laughs> I told Chris Hallman for the first time recently. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what the fuck, really? Dude, Hallman's yeah, Hallman's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, did it's, you know Hallman at the time? Yeah, yeah, no, I knew all the East Coast guys, because is where I, I, I used to go there a lot. <clears throat> and then the POWs being from Bethlehem and stuff. So. Right. So... Where did, um, towards the late 90s, I mean, you kind of were starting to fade out a little. Yep. Uh, were you still excited about riding, or was it just no. kind of... I... Was was that X Games thing kind of the start of the yeah, end? that was sort of the... I really became, uh... I, I really became hard to get a hold of and stuff, yeah. and I would just kind of hibernate with some people I lived with and stuff, and partied a lot and still rode and then when I rode I was it was at the time when I could still ride and really put effort and shred yeah know? is that about when you got that cover on ride and stuff yeah yeah and I I, I think I knocked myself that out that Kelly's day. bowl or something yeah yeah I think I got my my shorts stuck in the handlebar good old baggy shorts <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah yeah I would still be able to ride and be stoked on what I was able to do, even not touching my bike for a month or something yeah. like that. And, um, but yeah, I still loved it, and it was just, I didn't have, I definitely didn't have what it takes to live up to the hype. Yeah. And I understand that a little bit clearer now. Like, I just, but I also feel bad for it. Like, the guy that made that comment on Snakebite, I feel bad that he went to go see a demo with BMXers, and I was drunk. Yeah. And I didn't know, or like yourself too, I didn't know what, S&M meant to people. Oh, dude, you were so cool. You were cool. I didn't even get a bad vibe from that. You were cool with me. We just walked down to Burnside. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, I'm hanging out with Keith Trainer. This is awesome, you know? Yeah, I, I just never knew it meant anything to anybody. And I, Sobering up and getting older and realizing that what an influence that generation was on people blows my mind. And yeah. Like, I didn't know I was even lumped into any of that. And uh, I do feel bad that I was, a, I was a bad representative for it, but it was also the party stage of... I mean, a lot of people go through that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, just this... It, everyone partied during yeah. that time. And I just exploited it and wasn't shy about being an idiot. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, no, but I, I have seen a few comments in, in recent years and different things with, with, you know, older people, I guess, now. And I feel bad for being that dude that you could have looked up to because of the magazines. And then I, I never took that into consideration, like how much magazines meant to me and then now I'm in them, and people are looking at that yeah. the same way. I just never... Like the way you looked at maybe, like, Fiola or something. Yeah, and I mean, I'm definitely not, I'm sure, and I know, I, and it's not that type of influence, but still, it was an influence, like, with the, with guys on the East Coast. They'd be like, damn, this guy's from New Jersey. If he could do it, I could do it. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And 
that was now that I know that I feel good about that, but I didn't know. I, I seriously didn't know what. You still, I mean, looking back too, you weren't very old either, you know. No, no and as immature as fuck. So. Yeah. <laughs> I only. I still can't say I grew up. I'm yeah. forty-four years old. <laughs> so. Did you see these toys behind me? I see them. <laughs> About when when was like when you because you did quit riding for yeah. for a while. I didn't you end up moving to Florida for a short time in that whole in two thousand and two thousand one. I went to Florida and, and you were already off S and M then, right? No, that was a, a, kind of a skewed thing that everyone got a little yeah. How, a little mixed maybe up. let's go into how you left S and M and uh, it really wasn't to leave S and M, but it definitely they got Chris got pissed on fun and. So, long story short, I did demos. I got hooked up with... I lived in Florida for a little while. I, I, I went back east after leaving California in 2000. And I ended up in Florida. Um, really sketchy scene. I lived at this fucking tweaked-out heroin house in Tampa. I wasn't on heroin, but the people I was with were. And um, Ron Bonner from UGP at the time came down, came all the way down to Tampa to pick me up, brought me back up to Orlando, helped me out big time, put me to work at UGP... I did that for a few months, and, like, he knew I was trying to get back on my feet and stuff, and, like, I rode for UGP during the good periods, too, so Ron and I had a pretty good relationship, and, uh, somewhere in, like, four or five months into working at UGP, I got a call from Hoffman about some demos that were coming up at, um, Universal Studios. Yeah. And I said, man, I haven't been riding that much, but, you know, and they were vert demos. I was like, but, you know, I'll, I'll fucking go for it, yeah, why not? Why not? So it turns out it was a two-month summer-long gig. Dave Brumlow was in them, and, and Mike Andrews, and a bunch of other Florida locals and stuff. A bunch of good, good, good riders. Um, first week I back, I was riding pretty shitty, but then it it all fell into groove. And plus, I was uh, drinking, so the edge was off while I was riding. So, but uh, yeah, I did that for a while for the for the, the summer tour, and then after that, I kind of bounced around for a while. I ended up back in California, and then. Back in Jersey and then back in Florida to do the, to do the shows again in 2001, and in 2001, I was just so badly drinking and fucking around too much that I got fired from that gig. Yeah. And so after that gig, what did you do to get fired, Keith? I was drunk while I was riding. <laughs> yeah. The, this is funny, and if you can just picture this, it's lame as fuck, but it's funny. Um, Brumlow was the vert rider. Uh, I believe Eric Soto was up on the vert ramp, and then it was myself. We'd ride the ride the box jump in the quarter pipes, and then have to go ride the vert ramp for the vert, vert portion of the demo. I used to go pretty high still. I'd get like ten foot airs, and my, me and Dave Brummel would battle to see who would go higher that day and stuff. But um, I'd be drinking throughout the whole day, and like that's another reason why I had no fear of it because I was pretty tanked. Yeah. So the joke was you could smell me when I was in the air. Man, <laughs> to smell the fucking buzz through the air, and um, still to this day we joke about that. But um, I got I just kept doing that too much, and they were just like, you know what, you're out of here. And then when that happened, I realized, all right, this is it. I pretty much burned my last bridge. Um, but back while the first year was going on, back to you asking about what happened with S and M. What happened, I didn't quit S&M. Brian Castillo started volume, and I didn't have a bike for the shows. So Brian hooked me up with a kit, and I used it for the shows. Wasn't a team rider, and he was actually trying to help me get my shit together. Yeah. 
And uh, so it wasn't a, a, a leave or a malicious thing on my part or anyone's part. It just was a bike that I had to ride in the demos. But when I came back to California and I had that bike, it pissed off Moeller, it pissed off Troy McMurray, and everybody that thought I was a lifer. And, I mean, really, at that point, I was already kicked to the curb anyways. Most of it was by my own doing anyways. So it wasn't really that. I maliciously left s and yeah. something like that. So uh, I still kept getting bikes from Brian. And then even after I got fired, Brian still kept trying to help me out. And... Uh, Long story short, and if you guys know some of the history of shit, I started fucking up so bad, uh, I didn't ride anymore, and pretty much everyone in California hated me. I ended up back in New Jersey, and uh, I had nowhere to stay. My dad was back in Ireland, and my sister didn't want to deal with me at all, so I ended up homeless. When I got, when I was homeless, I was still drinking and partying, and went into a Salvation Army to ride out the winter is what I thought I was going to do and um, I ended up staying there for a year fully sobering up realizing oh this ain't so bad went into a halfway house saved some money and then helped uh, restore my friend's attic in, in New Jersey and I lived and moved in there got a bike from Brian by that point um, actually got a bike about what year was this? that would have been fuck man I'm sorry I'm a little off on things but 2015 12 years Three. Yeah, right around 03. So I had probably about a year and a half hiatus from not riding at all. Yeah. Brian gave me a bike when I was in the halfway. And that's, that year and a half was like when you were at your worst. And I was at my worst, and I went away. Yeah. Because so, Brian actually interviewed me for that gypsy catalog. Yep, I have the catalog. Yeah, and I was just coming out of the Salvation Army thing. I worked for them as a store manager, and then I was going into a halfway house, and that's where I was. I was saving money and stuff, so uh, built a apartment in my friend's attic, got a really good job, et cetera, et cetera, and then at some point I ended up moving to North Carolina, and this one actually kind of bums me out because I lived really close to Greenville, and that's when Greenville was kicking. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. You know, it was going off. I'm now friends with Mike Laird, and I I didn't know he kind of was influenced by S&M in those days and stuff, so... He's, a, he's I consider him a good friend now, and he was a fan, I guess, at one time. And he was like, dude, you could have rode with me. You could have rode with us guys. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, really? And even still now, a little over 12 years of sobriety, I still don't know who I've pissed off through the years. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm always a little nervous of things. But um, point being is I lived in North Carolina, and I could have rode that scene and because I was afraid of it. <laughs> Brian had given you a bike, and you had a bike again. Yeah, and then he kept giving me, hooked me up with things and stuff. So I, it's really, I never went without a bike for a really long period of time. And then even when I didn't have a bike, I knew street riders in New Jersey, this kid Kevin and a bunch of guys that ended up riding for Animal. Yeah. I used to borrow bikes from them. So And those kids used to get me beer. <laughs> so, so like I'd hang out with them, tell them the fucking war stories. and, and Yeah, so I really... Never went out was was without a bike for a long period. <clears throat> well, and then after you kind of got sober, um, it seems like you're you're riding pretty hard again. Like it, yeah, yeah. it feels like, and I I think that just BMX in general. There's so many dudes that are older that are. It's not like you're going out like oh, I'm, you know, like you said, if you you're not hurting yourself, you're yeah. not riding hard enough. But you still, you know, it's fun. You yeah, like I always tell people, it's just I, fun now. I just try to. Hang out with the dudes I like, like you know, somebody's playing yeah. baseball or something with their guys, friends, and they're like forty. 
I'm sitting on the deck with some of my friends yeah. and just riding. Yeah, no, it's the same. It's you know, it's our hot rod club or whatever. You know. Yeah. And to me, to me, it's fun. Like BMX is always fun, and it was always my outlet. But I did want to learn, and like I did live with that philosophy of if I'm not getting hurt today, I didn't try. Yeah. And you know that was the progression. How it always worked for me. So that that did take its toll at some point when I realized like oh I can't or I or I choose not to. And, uh, so that made me kind of like not ride as much just because I thought I had to live up to my own mind's expectation. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I just have fun now. And then if I go out and get a GoPro pick, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I'm just, I, I, I laugh with the guys I ride with, Sean Yarl, Brian Castillo. We just laugh and have a good time and make fun of each other. It seems like you're riding with like Yarl a lot. Yeah, yeah. And you guys go way back too, don't you? Oh, it's super way back, 25 years or so. And honestly, that guy is the motivation for what I do now because he just loves to ride. Yeah. He has no industry connection. He has no be bullshit. He has no Coke bottle glasses anymore. No. (laughs) I don't know how he has contacts that work that strong, but (laughs) he clearly can, uh, they work for him now. But yeah, no, he's just, he's, and he's a great dude. He'll do anything for you. For anyone. So. It seems like you, you kind of, there's, you know, you're in kind of a new little scene down here where you, yeah. you know, it's like you and Sean, like you said, Brian, and, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays with Instagram, people are following that, and it's like, it does seem like you are you guys are riding just as much as you did back in the day, and yeah. it's, it's definitely fun to see that stuff, you know? Yeah, thanks. And I mean, it's guys like you that motivate it, too. Matt Copeland is a huge motivation to me. You know, it's all guys that are getting older that enjoy riding their bikes and i guess something too that i never realized is it is therapy it's yeah get away from fucking work get away from even though i'm immersed in business of of bmx all day every day i can still go out and ride my bike and it's a reminder of why i love what i do yeah and you know even if i just get a can-can foot plant for the day i'm stoked yeah you know and I, i mean i'll still try try things and I keep talking myself into wanting to do a little edit, but... <laughs> I, no, I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna... and then you're like... Why? You're like, oh, I was having fun just sitting around, like, you know, but... I'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do a handrail, a, a decent handrail for my 44th birthday, and it was going to be an homage to, I hope that's the correct word, to John Pesey, because it was the one that he got the cover of Ride Magazine. Oh, Wow. So I went there. That was with, my first ride magazine. Uh, with his big Jinko jeans. Yeah, yeah. And down the thing. I lived across the street from that fucking rail for two and a half years since I've lived here. So I go out finally one day with Cooper Brownlee from Colony. I'm like, I'm going to do this rail. I need it for my 44th birthday. Let's fucking go. We go there and it's capped. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, so I haven't done my 44 rail yet. So, and I've been trying to like play off the 44 something thing. So I've been hashtagging that 44 something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, how do you feel with things? You feel like everything's kind of came full circle, and oh, I, I have no fucking complaints. I'm sitting here talking to you right now, and life is decent. And yeah, I I feel like I was able to redeem myself from all my mistakes, and now. Some crazy Australian Clint Miller trusts me with his business. <laughs> yeah, you guys go shred together. Yeah, oh, that dude's another motivation. He's forty-one years old and killing it. Oh, he still rides at full pro level. Yeah, no ass kissing, Miller. I'm just fucking saying the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he kills, and that's motivation right there. And we're running a decent business, and 
I'm having fun. It's a lot of fucking work. Yeah. I'm having fun. <clears throat> oh, you guys are doing good things. Um, my old lady, Wendy, is my warehouse worker, so I can crack the whip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> um, is, there, uh, is there anything you want to maybe touch on before, before we close it up or anything? It's not gay. <laughs> You're right, it did. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Let's just go. Is there anything? Did we forget anything? Do you think? Do you do? Yeah. I think I made an ass out of myself enough. No, you're fine. You're good. <laughs> well, well, thanks. Cool. Thanks for doing this, man. No, thanks I'm... for just doing what you're doing in general, because it's awesome to bridge that gap between youngsters that are not going to listen to this podcast. But <laughs> well, there's. I mean, there's so many people out there. Just it's fun to just hear stories and yeah. talk about it, and yeah. you know, like. I'm just excited to come down and talk to people that I always looked up to and, you know, no, do stuff. And then... You just talk to Pete and fucking Dave. Yeah, no, I was... I, I made, you did Bob Harrell? Bob was busy this week, oh. so... Yeah, hopefully sometime in the future we, yeah. we can do that, but... Dominguez. Yeah, it, it was just fun just, you know... It, you know, there's somebody out there that, you know, might still ride. We, you know, he's got a family and yeah. kids, and he's going to be excited to hear the story. And that's yeah. that's why I'm excited to do it, so... Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, next time we do a group one with all the good guys. Yeah, I mean, one day we'll we'll figure it out. I mean, these are just like the first ones, you know. We'll we'll sit down and yeah. maybe we'll do something with a few dudes, and or if it's just a oh, let's just talk about this tour with these dudes, you know, yeah. like probably be fun to sit down with you and John Paul or something. Oh God, that would be funny. <laughs> so he'll steal the show because he's he's good at verbal warfare. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any? advice you would give anybody out there that's listening to this anybody that is starting riding or drink all still the fucking riding? beer you can get <laughs> <laughs> yeah just have fun period i mean especially this day and age everybody wants to be sponsored and it's just it this business is so much harder and there's not much money in it that everyone seems to think there is just ride your bike and if you're that good you'll get noticed and Something that a lot of the companies, including what I would look for with, with for the guys at Colony, is just good people. Down-to-earth riders that are just genuinely good, humble riders, you know. And talent is almost a second thought now because there's so much good talent. So now you're just kind of looking for someone that meshes with your, your brand or with your team or whatever, you know. <clears throat> so that's just kind of how I look at it. Yeah, stuff. that's cool. Well, thank you. I mean, you guys did so much for me this week, so thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I know, I know, I stole your car. for listening guys uh do me a favor and head over to snake bite bmx on facebook and give us a follow we're trying to get our numbers up a little on there um so here in the future i'm making a trip down to austin to do some more podcasts so if you want to hop on the facebook page maybe give me some suggestions on who you guys think i should talk to or some ideas you may have for the website head over to our facebook page and do it and i'll talk to you guys next time